This is Rashawn Slater, first-round draft pick for the LA Chargers, and you're listening to the Charged Up Bolts podcast. Bolt up. Good day, Bolt fam, and welcome to another edition of the Charged Up Bolts podcast. I'm your host, uh, John Woz Jr., joined by uh, John Ayres. John, how are you doing, Matt? Are you in Wales or Scotland uh, somewhere? <laughs> you you would think I'd be somewhere uh, in the UK or something like that, but uh, no, it's just a uh, really dreary kind of overcast day here in Southern California. So, you know, just trying to trying to get myself outside a little bit, get outside of the Herbert hangar for a minute, and I picked a, a beautifully cold day to do that. Yeah, it look, looks a bit chilly, man. Well, uh, it's just you and I today. Uh, Mr. Bermudez is eating at somewhere in in Devon. Um, he's struggling to get electricity, let alone internet. Um, uh, Dan's on, on vacation uh, today as well. So, look, draft's finished, man. It's another one in the bag. Um, how, how do you think it went overall? Uh, I mean, we're going to talk, obviously, charges-specific, but if you want to... Mentioned anything else? Dan and I mentioned on Friday we were a bit uh, confused as to why um, Hutchinson didn't go to uh, Jacksonville with the with first overall pick. But what's your overall thoughts on the draft, John? I mean, I wasn't confused because the Jaguars are a terrible franchise. <laughs> so uh, it would not shock me that they would pick uh, maybe the third or fourth best defensive end depending on how you look at it yeah. uh in the draft so i mean it is what it is like jaguar is gonna jaguar they're gonna jag i guess so <laughs> we, we, uh we we had uh some of us back home we we're having a bit of a chat we think boris johnson was on in the uh jaguars <laughs> war room <laughs> i mean who knows who knows it was it was pretty bad but ultimately i think the draft kind of went something how i thought it would go um you know ultimately i've been saying it for probably since the end of last draft um, as someone who plays dynasty fantasy football, you're always looking ahead to next year's rookies and you know, what, what does next year's draft potentially hold? And I basically earmarked the 2022 draft as a downer draft, uh, in those types of formats, I've basically sold off as much of my 2022 draft picks for future 2023 draft picks or, uh, younger talent, uh, just cause I, I want to know part of this draft. And honestly, I think what we saw, um, this last week and weekend kind of bears that out. You saw a lot of trades. Now you might think, Oh, well, if there were so many trades. Doesn't that mean that it was a good draft? No, I would actually argue the opposite. I'd argue that so many teams were either saying, Hey, we've only got like five or six guys who we really actually like. And the rest of them are whatever. I think that's what led to teams wanting to jump up and get their guys, you know? I think the fact that so many teams wanted to move around just shows that there's just an, an in general, a lack of, of really, really high end depth. Now I'm not saying there aren't good players. Okay. There are plenty of good players that came off this draft. There's going to be some all pro and pro bowl guys out of this draft. It's going to happen. I'm not saying that, Oh, this draft was a complete waste and no, you, we wouldn't even bother drafting anybody. That is not what I am saying, but what I'm saying is from an overall talent perspective at the positions and especially in the quarterback position, uh, but in the overall talent at the positions, I think this was a, a a draft that lacked overall talent. So it wasn't a draft where you could just say, hey, I'm going to sit back at my pick and wait to see best available because there's going to be plenty of best available. Um, you know, there's going to be plenty of guys who are going to be high level. I just don't think that was a draft this year. So, um, you know, it, it, it kind of went the way I thought it would be. A lot of people moving around, a lot of people prioritizing either getting their guy or even potentially trying to figure out what they want to do next year. You'll notice something I thought was interesting is there were very few 2023 picks used to move up in this draft. Did you notice that yeah, most of yeah, the picks, yeah. most of the picks were from this very draft because yeah. I think GM is much like me saw this draft as a low end talent draft. Yeah. So they're like, mm, I'd rather save my assets for 2023 where I think there's going to be a lot more prized possessions in there. So, um, you know, that being said, I think there are plenty of good drafts. There's a, unfortunately, I hate to say this, but, uh, one of my favorite drafts out there. Uh, I mean, obviously the Ravens, the Ravens always draft well. This is why the Ravens are always have draft. so much talent. Yes, they always have great talent because they always draft well. Um, I don't know. Is some sort of mixture of luck and just good draft process or whatever, but they always seem to have, uh, you know, really good players available to them when they pick, and they generally pick the players that are, that are going to make the most impact. So good for them. But unfortunately, another draft I really, really liked were the Chiefs draft. I think the Chiefs, uh, top to bottom, had a lot of really good picks. Now, not, and I don't love all their picks, but there's, I mean, they've got, honestly, their first three picks, uh, all three of them were, you know, top 30, 25 players for me. So the fact that you can get your first three picks and get top 25, top 30 uh, uh, players 
Um, I mean, I, to me, that that's a home run of the draft right there. So I, th- I thought they did a great job uh, drafting talent all the way through the entire draft. And, you know, it's it sucks that to see a, a team in your division reload in the draft the way they did. But it is what it is. You know, you just got to have to, you know, we, the Chiefs are, are a good franchise. They're, they've got a really good GM. They found talent. Uh, all the way up and down the draft, something that we failed to do over the last five to seven years, finding dra- uh, talent all over the draft, not just in rounds one and two. So, you know, uh, hats off to them. Tip of the hat. Great job, Chiefs. Um, but you know what? Um, I don't really want to focus on anybody else. I really want to focus that's, on that's, the Chargers. Let's talk yeah, about what the Chargers did. Exactly. And I think I, th- I think I will start, as you've already sort of touched on, it wasn't particularly exciting. There wasn't any uh, explosive names. It's very hard for the Chargers to live up to their first overall pick from 2020, Justin Herbert, um, Rashawn Slater, uh, 2021. We did an amazing job in free agency. Sebastian uh, Joseph Day, JC uh, Jackson, Khalil Mack. I think it was about filling in the, the gaps, putting the, the um, filling those the, those areas where needed to be addressed. Uh, we started up front, so let's start with our first overall pick. We all said two weeks ago, we all agreed, the four of us, yourself, uh, myself, Dan, and Bez, all agreed unanimously that Zion Johnson would be a perfect fit for this team, and that's exactly what they did. And, and I, here's my take on this, John. I think that we passed on the likes of uh, Trevor Penning because I think there's something there with Storm Norton, uh, Trey Pipkings, that they potentially could work on to say, right, we've got a right potential right tackle there. One of them's going to fight that out, duke it out. But I think we fix more issues by addressing right guard and dropping uh, Zion Johnson in there. I mean, bit of a bit of a beast. Um, arguably, well, if undoubtedly the the top draft uh, uh, guard in the in the draft, um, and it was the right fit for the right franchise. Uh, would you would you agree with that? Um, yeah, I, I agree with that on a lot of levels. I mean, uh, I would I would yeah, I would definitely say arguably the top guard in the draft. He was my top guard. A lot of people had him as a top guard, but there's also a lot of people who like Kenyon Green and, and the upside of Kenyon Green. Um, so who actually went a couple picks before Zion? So, you know, um, I, I do think he was my uh, offensive guard one. Uh, IOL one, whatever you want to call that. So I, you know, I really like the pick. I was really, I'm really bullish on him. Um, you know, and I think ultimately they decided that um, if this draft taught me anything, I think it's that one, they did an amazing job in free agency. They did such a good job filling major gaps and major issues that they came into this draft thinking, there's not really a major hole that like, Oh, we have to fix like, right. Like, like, you know, Justin Herbert draft. Obviously, we went into that with a major hole at quarterback. We have to fix quarterback, right? Next year, we have a major hole at our at our tackle position, right and left. We got to fix that. So they fixed it, right? So I think the last two years, you really had major, major holes and deficiencies that needed to be filled. And it kind of, in a sense, pigeonholed them into certain positions. Now we got lucky. We got lucky that we had high enough draft picks and that the right guys fell to those picks and we didn't have to make any hard decisions. Um, but I think this uh, this year at 17, we didn't really have any of those positions. We're like, oh, we absolutely 100% have to fill this position with a high-end talent. Otherwise, we're sunk. I think it's a, hey, there's definitely plenty of positions that could use some reinforcement or more talent, but it wasn't a have to, have to, have to have this guy. So I think that was a great position to be in. Uh, Zion being there was great. You know, a lot of people had a mock there. A lot of people assumed he would be available there. Some people thought he may not. And, you know, honestly, they got a little lucky. They got a little lucky that somebody decided to go with the upside of green uh, instead of going with the common more proven talent um that is zion johnson so but i think that you, you saw that i think you saw a lot of what i like to call a boring draft by telesco which is a good thing yeah, yeah all right yeah agreed i think he said look look here's some here's uh you know we're gonna pay, take uh, our favorite player at these positions at these skill sets and we're just gonna draft them even if they're not sexy right you know uh people generally say like if you're gonna draft a defensive back you're drafting a corner not a safety that's what we took it at our second pick in the draft was a safety you know they talk about hey if we're gonna reinforce the offensive line it should either be one of your tackles either left tackle or right tackle or center and then the guards are kind of like the you know the least valuable in a sense uh 
offensive line position. And guess what? They chose offensive guard as an, as their, uh, as their pick at 17. So really they didn't seem to be worried about positional value so much as, Hey, where can we get better? Um, and I think that, you know, it makes for a boring draft in a sense where it's not really sexy. You don't get a bunch of sexy names. You know, we don't get that sexy wide receiver that everybody wanted or that, that shutdown corner that everyone's excited about or whatever. Right. No, we don't get any of those guys, but I think we, we, you know, Zion Johnson is a perfect example of, Hey, we could definitely use more talent at the guard position. We picked a guy who was ready to start day one on our offensive line. And we picked a guy who immediately makes our offensive line better. Yeah. So and I, think, I, I mean, it seems like a great, great pick. Yeah. And, and I think um, looking from the outside in, it would appear to me that that selection was done by committee as opposed to you'll get some GMs that'll say, I'm having that. I guess Jerry Jones will, will take the lead on, on where he wants to go in the first and second rounds. But, you know, there, there was options there at 17 to go have a bit of uh, sort of a bit of a swagger pick, if you like. Something that can, you know, uh, make make splash plays and 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 sort of grow into the into the, into the team as a starter. The fact that it's a boring pick, but it's a good pick means, in my opinion, that it's probably done by committee and everyone's agreed around the table from, from Lombardi up to Staley up to Tom Telesco that it was the right move. And it's a sensible thing as well. We've got, in my opinion, a top three quarterback in the NFL. He, he needs a top three offensive line because while ever we've got that offensive line in front of him, you know, it just takes a pressure off, pardon the pun, that's what they're there to do. But there's no point in allowing Justin Herbert getting beaten up, as we saw with Joe Burrow in the in the playoffs and the, the, the latter end of the NFL. So as far as I'm concerned, I, I'm not interested in what the, the, the media have said. And some of them have uh, heaped praise on, on the charge for taking Johnson. But he's our guy. He's a day one starter. Uh, and I think he'll work his backside off between uh, now and, and, and week one of the NFL season. Yeah, I don't think there's a question about that. I think he's plug and play. You put him right into the guard position, whether it be right guard or left guard, depending on how they want to shuffle up that line. Uh, and I think he's a starter day one. So, you know, I think you can't you can't ask for much more, to be honest. Like, you know, you, you obviously you want to have that big home run, all pro pro bowl pick with your first round pick. Everybody wants that. But to be honest, to get those kinds of super high impact guys, you're usually drafting in the top 10. Yeah, okay? usually. So at 17, getting a guy who is the, who is at least for most of us, the top at his position group and getting a guy who, you know, can start day one and be a long time, you know, position player there for you. I think that is to me a, a pretty much a home run pick. You know, if, you know, uh, I love assigning grades. I think it's fun for us to say, Hey, let's give it a grade, whether they mean anything or not. I don't know, but you know, I would easily give this an A uh, on that pick because I think, you know, even though it's not sexy, right. It's not super sexy. I, I think it's, it, it's either it was the right pick. I think it was the pick that made the most sense and, uh, it's going to be the most bang for their buck at 17. So, you know, I definitely gave this pick an A, uh, and, and I love having Zion Johnson on the line. Yeah. And, and if we don't talk about him throughout the season, it's because he's doing his job, you know, Storm Norton, um, Trey Pipkin's got, um, a lot of, uh, attention, because the amount of pressures that are allowing, um, obviously, Rashawn Slater, he got a bit of attention because he, he played so well. But Corey, like you know, the likes of Matt Feeler and Corey Lindsley, they go relatively unnoticed because they they're very good. In fact, they're excellent at, uh, at doing their job. I think there's plenty of experience there to allow uh, Zion Johnson to integrate into the team, as you say, plug and play, day one starter. It's up to him now to make that transition. Uh, I've got no doubt that he will he, he will do that. Um, the Chargers have made the evaluation. We've we've made the pick, and it has improved the team. That that is one hundred percent. That's that's a fact. It's it's improved the team. Still got an issue at right tackle, but I think, as I said, I, I think that that's fixable. Um, and you know, we, we've got um, we, we've got options as well. I mean, we'll talk about Jamari uh, Solia after the after the break, but. Uh, he might be an option there to uh, fight it out. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him starting uh, in, in pre-season. So that's a great segue. Um, straight after the break, we'll come back. We'll talk uh, JT Woods, uh, Baylor, uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk rest of the draft picks uh, back after this break. Hey, check this out, Bolt fam. The NBA playoff action is non-stop at DraftKings Sportsbook. 
an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Look to turn a small bet into a big payday during the NBA playoffs. With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, total threes made, total rebounds and more, and boom, you've got a shot at an even bigger payout. Right now, all customers can place the same gay parlay with three or more legs and get a free bet back up to $25 if one leg doesn't hit. It's that simple. Just download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPM, bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's a deal that you can't miss. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Welcome back to the Charged Up Bolts podcast. Uh, I'm your host, John Woz Jr., uh, joined by my co-host, John Ayres, over in a very cloudy California. Dan and Beza uh, take a leave of absence today. I hope they're both well. I'm sure they'll be listening to this when it goes live later on. So to recap, we've, we've spoke about Zion Johnson. We're over the moon with him. Um, it's not a flash pick. It's, it's definitely an A grade. But what do you think to JT Woods, 79th overall, third round pick, Baylor? Um, you know, again, like I kind of mentioned before, not a sexy pick. Uh, a safety, you know, there are very few safety safeties who could potentially even have the impact on the game that um, Derwin James does. Um, but you know, safety is becoming a much more popular position now than it used to be, um, because a lot of this whole two and three high shells that you're seeing, um, so they're, the league is starting to come around on safeties again, I think, but still third round safety, not a sexy pick, especially when you don't have a second round pick. Um, you know, again, everybody clamoring and even me, you know, clamoring, Hey, you know, we'd love to add some speed. We'd love to add some sort of a flash player here at, at, uh, third over uh, third round pick uh, did not happen. I mean, yeah, we did got a, we did get a fast player. I'll give him that. That is a yeah, fast player, but he is he's very fast. Got good instincts. Uh, seems to have good hands. Seems to be a bit of a ball hawk when when the ball's around him. Um, so you know, a, a lot of good talent there. Um, you know, my biggest issue is that he just there's a lot of film of him being a poor tackler. Um, you know, and again, this is not because he stays away from it. It's not like he's making a lot of business decisions and deciding not to go for the tackle. He just seems to, you know, I don't know if it's a technique thing. I don't know if he just gets overexcited. You know, I'm not a you know, professional evaluator of tackling skills, but he just doesn't look very comfortable doing it. It, it looks like something that he's just not very good at making, running up and making those open field tackles, uh, you know, in, on, uh, you know, running backs and stuff like that. So, you know, while I think he could be an asset to, to allow us to move Derwin James around, uh, not make him sit back in safety, you know, let him be kind of that chess piece that we want him to be. Yeah. Uh, and then I'll, that putting on Nas and, and Woods back in the back there as our two high safeties. Uh, I, I do think there's a risk there because I think that, you know, uh, you know, if he has trouble making tackles in college level, wait till he gets to the NFL. Uh, you know, wait till, he, wait till he sees a Derrick Henry running down his face, right? That's not, he's, he's going to go flying to the side. It's just going to happen. So, yeah, you know, we, it, we had too many missed tackles, didn't we? Certainly last season. Um, everybody, Kenneth Murray, uh, just thrashing at, at fresh air. Um, that needs to be addressed very early on. And I'm sure the, the coaching staff have got a, um, um, a pathway to, to 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 sort that out. I mean, he'd have three picks in his last two games. I think he had um, a couple against uh, Mississippi in the Sugar Bowl. Um, and it, and it, look again, JC Jackson last year more interceptions the entire Chargers roster put together. We do need to start creating turnovers. So you know maybe we, we might get a few uh, plays out of him early on. But you, you're right, his tackling needs to improve. But uh, it just might be a confidence thing. John, you know, it might be a, a lack of quality coaching um, at Baylor. Who knows? Yeah, it's hard to say. I, I, I will say this. Uh, as much as I'm going to knock him on, on the tackling, uh, the good news about that is a lot of times that's something that can be coached up. You know, that's something, you know, we can't teach speed. You can't teach hands, right? You can't, you can't teach instincts. And, and he does seem to have a pretty, uh, you know, pretty good amount of those things. So uh, the things you can teach like tackling technique and, and, and that kind of stuff, um, you know, that makes me, you know, at least 
positive that you know there's going to be some development there that's going to be able to happen so that that's always a good thing yeah agreed i mean we'll move on to round four um asaya spiller from the aggies i thought we'd have took a running back in the third round didn't happen um he's divided opinion on on social as uh as asaya spiller um I mean, he's got. He had a. I think it was two four seven sports gave him a four star um, uh, recruiting profile, um, three thousand yards in three seasons with the Aggies. I mean, Texas A and M. I think he he led them. I think he was third in in uh, in the conference. Um, he's got potential, but again, it's the opposite of 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 J T Woods <laughs> when he's running up against big heavy defensive lineman, is he going to be able to break tackles? Is he going to be able to move the chains? Um, ultimately, he's there to complement Austin Eckler. But, I mean, are, are you excited by him, John? Um, sort of, what, what's your thoughts on on uh, on this guy, Mr. Spiller? You know, um, initially, my, my initial gut reaction was like, hmm, yeah, uh, running back in round four again, right? We just drafted Roundtree last year. The year before that, they spent a fourth round pick on Joshua Kelly. Uh, a massive reach, a massive reach, by the way, that we can all agree on. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And even though I had some, you know, some positivity around uh, around Joshua Kelly, he just hasn't lived up to it. And Roundtree never really materialized. But you know, given the capital they used on Roundtree, that's not surprising either. So you know, obviously. They went for a third draft in a row trying to find basically the same type of running back, right? All three of them share that kind of physical north-south downhill tri uh, style runner, someone who can, who's explosive and gets to the hole. Um, you know, they've been trying to find that that complement to, to Eckler three drafts in a row. But I think, you know, while I've seen a lot of people try to say, oh, they, you know, we've already got Kelly and Roundtree. Why do we draft another one of these guys? Uh, I, I think the difference is, is he is a spiller is a way better prospect way more accomplished runner uh, than either of the two of them combined. You know, I, I think what's lost on people is that maybe, maybe they just, just use a fourth round pick on Spiller. Uh, and they, when they use the same value of pick on Joshua Kelly, but they are not the same type of prospect, you know, Joshua Kelly was, you know, viewed in on most mock drafts when they're going in, uh, most evaluators said, yeah, he's uh, probably like a fifth round talent, maybe a fourth round talent question mark, right? Like they weren't sure exactly where he would be in. Uh, Spiller, I've seen some mocks and some and some draft grades have him as a second round value at running back. Okay, so the fact that he was there in the fourth round makes him a pretty good value. To be perfectly honest, a lot of teams thought that a lot of scouts and a lot of people thought he was going to go much earlier than the fourth round. So, uh, you know, I think they got a really good prospect. Now, is he explosive? Is he going to take the ball and you know run for you know 50, 60 yard touchdowns? Probably not. He's the type of back that can break tackles and get some extra yardage, but you know, he gets to the open field. He's the kind of guy that can get run down from behind. It just, it's just kind of who he is. So, you know, um, unfortunately that's, that's something that, uh, you know, his, his limitations is one of the reasons why he probably fell because, yeah. you know, he is a three round back, uh, three, uh, Sorry, three round. Uh, he is a uh, three down back. Yeah. He does have yeah. the ability to catch the ball. He has the ability to run between the tackles, run uh, outside. Uh, you know, he has some some chops in the pass block game. So there's a whole there's a whole lot of things he does well. He just doesn't have that kind of second second third gear of speed, which is fine. We have Eckler. We have we you know, and obviously this this uh, the staff doesn't seem to really value speed on the offensive side of the ball. If you no. look at the way the whole team is constructed, they basically just said. Straight line speed, track stars. Who needs them? You know, we've got guys who can. We got guys who can break tackles, I guess, and guys who can run yeah. routes and and run, and catch 50-50 balls, and that's good enough for us. And if I'm if I'm spilling out, I'm looking at the roster, and I'm probably speaking to my uh, Texas A and M coaches, and they're probably saying, "Look, look at the roster as it is. Roundtree, um, Joshua Kelly, you've got a real good chance of becoming an established RB two on this roster. So he will take some buoyancy from that and, and take a lot of confidence. But like all the rest of the rookies, he's got to prove himself. And he, the hard work starts now. Um, it's whether or not he's going to make that transition. We'll find out in a, in a few months. He's another player that I expect to see a lot of uh, in, in pre-season. Um, but look, good, good luck to him. And if he adds a bit of competition uh, behind Austin Eckler, that's a good thing in my opinion because 
where I've always I keep mentioning about Joey Bosa doing all the work up front on, on defense. I think Austin is doing an, an awful lot of work uh, in, in his role on offense, and he needs some support. So maybe maybe Spiller's that guy. Um, I'm 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 buoyant about the guy. Like like you said, I think he's a better prospect than what we've got. It's up to the the the, uh, the youngster. I think he's only twenty. I think he'll be twenty one by the 20. time the the season starts. He's twenty one right now. Is he twenty one right now? Is he? Yes. Yeah. So a, a young a youngster, maybe one for the future. Who knows? Um, where do we go for there? Went to defensive tackle, Etito Obonia. Um, Obonia. Obonia. Yeah. We, how, how are we saying this, man? How are we saying this? I'm not 100% sure. I've, I've, I haven't been listening enough uh, to, the, uh, to hear kind of exactly the right uh, pronunciation. So, you know, well, this could be a Tyrod, Tyrod, Tyrod oh, situation gonna where one, we're going to be, gonna be jumping back and forth from pronunciations until we figure it out. So it, I'm excited. A, I'm excited for that. Yeah, it's six foot four, over 324 pounds. He's, he's a monster. He needs to be, um, you know, I think he will come in and, and there'll be rotation. Um, he, he's got a lot of work to do with Austin Johnson there and Sebastian Joseph Day. Um, you've got Jerry Tillery, Christian Covington, Brandon Fecco, Joe Gazzano. So we are really now starting to ramp up those weaknesses um, and, and try and fix what was inherently wrong last year. We could not stop the run. Um, I think fifth round pick, is probably where he was projected. I mean, any, any thoughts on uh, a Tito, John? Do you think he he can add some value to the to the defense? I mean, he's another you know not so sexy pick, um, but honestly, a really good you know fit for this team. I think if you look at what um, what the Chargers did as far as evaluating players, it seemed like there was a common trend, right? They're looking for guys that seem to be really good scheme fits of what they want to do. They were looking for guys that had, um, you know, good traits and characteristics that really fit, um, you know, what they want to do. And they're also looking for guys who are versatile guys who have played a few different positions and can kind of, uh, you know, play what you want, right? Like, it's like you can have, um, well, well, Tito spent a lot of time, um, you know, lining up over center, he did line up over the guards, uh, you know, in the different gaps there yeah. uh, for UCLA. So he can be kind of moved a little bit along the inside of that interior defensive line, depending on how they want to set up the, um, the defensive lineman. I mean, ultimately, I think, you know, uh, from a skills and prospects perspective, you know, again, you get what you pay for, um, you know. It, it, when you're using a fifth round pick on a guy, you're not expecting to get a, you know, maybe a three down starter right away. He definitely needs a little bit of development in the pass rush game. Whether that will ever even develop, I don't know. Uh, he just doesn't. He doesn't seem to have necessarily the quickness or or, or the moves uh, to really be a, an effective pass rusher. That means I don't think it's going to be bad or anything necessarily, but it's not really his skill set. Uh, but uh, you know, he's going to be a great, uh, I think, defender on early downs, rotational run stopper, eats up a lot of blocks, that kind of guy. I think you know he's honestly to me. He is the, you know, the bizarro Jerry Tillery, right? Jerry Tillery, he has a lot of those pass rush techniques. He's got um, the athletic ability. He's got, um, you know, he's got the ability to be a good pass rusher on the interior. Um, but he really struggles as a major liability in the run game. So I think, you know, Otito is kind of the opposite of that. Uh, so what that means is we've just basically fortified our defensive line uh, with another depth piece who can rotate in and out, right? And, you know, you got Sebastian Joseph Day. He's our, you know, he's going to be our ideal, uh, one of our starters on, on the line. Austin Johnson is going to be a starter on the line or at least a, a, a take a lot of snaps on, on the interior of the line. So you've got those two guys kind of anchoring those positions. And then I think you've got Tillery and then now you've got uh, Tito coming in here. And I think the two of them can kind of rotate in and out to, to relieve um, our starters, relieve our, our main guys on the, on the passing downs and on the running downs as needed. You know, so a great rotational pick, I think. I think assuming that he develops and, and works right, I think he could have a nice solid role as a rotational player on this line. And I think again, just beefing up the trenches. That's that that's the common theme here is we want to be we want to be big and nasty in the trenches. We want to dominate the line on the offensive side and on the de defensive side. And right now everything we've done so far this offseason and last offseason as well has really proven that that's our philosophy and that we're sticking to it. Yeah, I, I agreed. And 
again, it'd be great to get a um, you know a round five pick that's actually going to um, uh, generate some positive energy on on the field because you're absolutely right. We, we need rotation. It's going to be another long season. We're expected to get to the playoffs, and we're going to need everyone um, doing their bit when when required. So I think what we'll see is my opinion with Atito is I think he'll he'll transition into the into the uh, into the defense as the season wears on. Um, as he's starting to get a bit more confidence, I think we'll see more more snaps. But talking about aggression, the next the next draft pick, round six, 195, Jamari Sawyer, Georgia. I'm really excited about this dude. Um, I think personally that we might have a bit of a uh, great addition. Um, very strong, uh, big big presence. You only have to look at his eyes and it looks like he wants to tear people's heads off. So, you know, look, that right tackle spot is up for um, up for grabs. I'm not saying that it's his, you know, clearly there's a lot of work in progress being a round six selection. But I, I certainly think Pipkins and Storm Norton are going to be looking over their shoulder with this dude. Um, very, very strong uh, in pass protection. I think he only, he only allowed a handful of pressures uh, in 2021. And we have already said, you know, we're talking about college year, so it's going to be a very different prospect playing against some of the uh, the best edge rushers and, you know, Max Crosby, etc. in our division. Uh, I wouldn't want to throw him in at the deep end because he'll, he'll probably get torched. You never know. He might prove us wrong. What, what's your thoughts on uh, Jamari uh, Solia, John? Well, Sawyer again, another guy, big and nasty, uh, good measurables, um, you know, versatile. Again, another versatile guy. This is he play. He's got he's he spent time at guard and at tackle. Um, Thirty nine you know, snaps at every single position on offense in his career. I mean, that's that's versatile, right? He, he's moved, oh, yes. he, he, he's he's a chess piece, right? And you know, if yeah. there's anything that I think that we've we've learned at being Charger fans over the years is that you can never have enough <laughs> offensive linemen. No. Never, never. So. You know, someone, you know, who can come in and, and be a swing guard going back and forth, maybe even play tackle in an emergency situation. You know, I think that's good. I really project him as a guard. I had him as a fourth, fifth round grade. Um, so the fact that they got him in the sixth round to me is a really good value. Um, yeah. You know, I think Spiller was a really good value for them as well there. Uh, Johnson, I think, was whatever. He's, it wasn't like a great value or anything like that. But I think when you look at those Spiller and those – um and the Sawyer picks, I think you got really good value guys who I thought were going to go at least a round or two earlier. Um, getting them in those positions, I thought, you know, were, were really, really good, solid picks for them. And, you know, again, I don't know if I project him as a tackle. Um, uh, to be perfectly honest, I'm not, you know, I'm, I definitely have had some, uh, some small blind spots in, in evaluating guard slash tackles moving up. I mean, I, I said it last year, Elijah Vera Tucker going to be an amazing guard, not a good tackle. I think Sawyer kind of the same idea. I think there's, there are, he's had, he's spent time at tackle and I think he could play tackle, but I think ultimately Sawyer's better position is going to be guard. That's my opinion. Uh, and I, so I think he's kind of like an AVT light there, right? Again, nowhere in the same talent pool as Elijah Vera Tucker. Elijah Vera Tucker is a pro bowl potential all pro tackle uh, or sorry guard in the future okay so I'm not saying there's the two are the same I'm just saying it's that same kind of idea where I think he's definitely better suited as a guard than a tackle although I think in a pinch he could play tackle if needed um, but you know I, I just think again fortifying this offensive line giving us options because I mean now you got Jameis you got um, Salyer, you've got Johnson you've got Filer like I mean you've got a lot of offensive guards um, that you can move around. So if you know there have been murmurs and rumors and whispers of, hey, what if we took Filer who had who played some right tackle for the Steelers? What if we moved him to right tackle, right? Um, you know, well then who's playing your guard, right? Maybe you move Zion over to the left guard. Now you've got Slater Zion. That's a pretty good left side. Uh, but then our right side guard is a question mark game. But I think you you put in. Uh, you know, a Sawyer, if, if he really shows you in something in camp that he can hold down a guard position, maybe you've got Sawyer and then you've got Filer on the right side. Who knows? It could be the recipe. Or, 
he could just be that backup guard that helps in case somebody goes down. Because as we saw with Abushi, Abushi started well. We all really liked him. We thought he could be a right guard of the, you know, a potential right guard uh, rock for us. And he went down early, and he was gone all season. Then we had to play patchwork on that guard position, right? So having someone yeah. like a Sawyer as a backup guard, even if we if we go and run out Filer and Johnson, that makes me really comfortable and really safe and secure, knowing that if one of those guys does go down, we have somebody dependable in the background that's not going to be another liability. So yeah, and I, think, I, 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 think, I really like the pick. I think that that's the challenge as well. Is I'm pretty sure now. Um, Brandon Staley sat at home just wanting to get going. He wants to get the players out there, start working them, uh, you know, running drills and et cetera, which we've got OTAs and then, every, you know, everything sort of uh, slows down until we come into pre-season. But th- there's a lot to work with there. And as you said, it's a different way of kneading the dough. Um, but ultimately, we are going to need some ability to, to flex up front because there are going to be challenges with people picking up slight injuries. COVID still um, uh, prevalent. Uh, uh, you know, still a global pandemic. Guys are going to be susceptible to that, and it's just being having that confidence that if X goes down, Y can come in and step up to the mark. So yeah, I, I'm super excited. I think I think he's got the mentality. It's just now down working with his me- mechanics, uh, and I'm sure it'll be. Li- you know, it'll be leaning on the likes of Rashawn Slater to, to work out how the best to make that transition from the college game to the pro game. Um, we we move on slightly. Uh, we go on to uh, defensive backs. We pick two on the bounce. Jasir uh, Taylor, Wake Forest, and he was the 214th overall pick. And the 237th overall pick was Dean Leonard of Mississippi. Two cornerbacks. So, again, Staley is trying to um, uh, address the defensive backs. We're, we're now looking at potential um, sort of uh, guys that could maybe step in if there's an injury or, or late in the game. I don't see any of these two being particularly um, active in, in the first few weeks of the season, you'll see a lot of preseason. None of these are on my uh, big boards. Uh, it's a bit of a surprise, but as I said prior to the draft, completely trust Justin. Uh, sorry, completely trust Brandon Staley. There is a reason why he's the head coach, and I'm not. Thoughts on uh, Jasir Taylor or um, Dean Leonard? I think when you start getting into like the sixth and seventh round picks, you're going to get a lot of guys who maybe you didn't spend any time scouting. I mean, unless you're one of these uh, real draft guys who are scouting 50 guys at each position, right? Like that's not who I am. (laughs) Yeah. Daniel Jeremiah. Daniel Jeremiah had every single one of these guys on his board because that's who Daniel (laughs) Jeremiah is, right? That just, you know, they're just, there are just some people out there, you know, there's some people out there in our, in our Chargers community out there that, that are are just crazy. And and they talk about these guys and say, Hey, watch out for this guy. I'm like, who, what? Yeah. Like, what are you talking yeah, about? Yeah. And they're like, yeah, I yeah, called yeah. him. I'm like, I didn't even know who he was. So congrats for calling. You know, like, like I, I much respect to those real, real draft Knicks out there who really spend the time scouting these uh, players all over the place and, the, and knowing these names in sixth and seventh round pick. I'm going to be perfectly honest. After Salier, I don't know. I didn't really recognize any of these other guys. So, uh, you know, shooting in the dark, I had to go and do some. I, I have spent zero time watching their tape. I apologize. This is really going to be me regurgitating, you know, some of the info that I've heard. But, um, you know, from what I can tell from other people's evaluations, and again, I'm, I'm just regurgitating. I hate to do this, but I, I just didn't spend enough time this year to really know these guys. Um, you know, they seem more like, you know, yeah, DB depth, and you know, for emergency situations, uh, you know, special teams guys, definitely, you know, they all, they're, they're all definitely going to have a chance to make the team as special teams players at the very beginning uh, and then potentially work their way on as, you know, third and second stream guys. You know, I think when, I think when you look at the DB situation and look at some of the injuries from last year, uh, you know, and you see guys like, uh, you know, Tavon Campbell playing major, major snaps in games. I think it just, it, it, it goes back to the fact that, Hey, we need more talent in the defensive back pool because it, we use a lot of them, right? Uh, you know, we're going to be, you know, we're going to, we've already heard about it before. I think Staley wants to run a lot of dime this year. Um, and, you know, that's going to require a lot of defensive backs on the field. And, you know, if we're, if we're, if we're sending out Kenan Hall, for instance, uh, you know, in, in a, in a tough position out there, it's tough, oh, right? So 
are any of these are any of these prospects better than who we had out there in some of those emergency situations? I don't know. Again, uh, and honestly, anybody who tells who says that they're definitely better than Tevon Campbell, I, I guess I would believe them because I've seen Tevon Campbell at this point play, so <laughs> it would be hard to believe. But um, I, you know, I, I think it's gonna. It, these are the kind of the guys that you you pick up at the very least. I think they're going to be usable on special teams. Uh, but best case scenario, we get them to camp, we get them trained up, we get in the room with J.C. Jackson, with Zont. Uh, Michael Davis, Derwin James. I mean, yes, that is an all-star crew of names I'm listening off here. I mean, but, if um, I was, get them in I, that, get them in that room, and then see if they develop. And if they develop, you know, we could have one of the most loaded defensive back crews in yeah. the league. I don't know. You know, it's just. I, I mean, never Leonard hurts to have in, depth. Leonard comes in with a lot of speed, but you're absolutely right. If I walk into that room with J.C. Jackson and Derwin James, I am absolutely wet in my pants because it doesn't get much better than that. But on the flip side of it, it doesn't get much better than that in terms of, all right, you're in awe of them because of what they can do on the football field. But also, it's a time to learn. And you, you need to be in their shell 24-7 saying, explain this, explain that. You know, um, there's a lot to work with. Um, and I think we just have to be positive. The AFC West, probably the strongest division in the NFL. Um, I... Look, everyone says the Chiefs every year. I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying this year. I, th- I think it's, I think it's open. Uh, the, the fact that the Raiders have got a very capable head coach, the fact that the Broncos have upgraded the quarterback, the Chiefs are the Chiefs, and the Chargers have done some amazing things in free agency. Got arguably one of the best quarterbacks in the league. It, it's all to play for. We've just got to be mindful that when we, when we get out there. We've, we've, we've still got a, a bit of work to do and we, we've still got areas that we, we need to improve on. There was a lot of negative, I say a lot of negative. I saw some negative press about um, not taking an edge rusher, not taking wide outs, but it goes back to trusting what the coaches see and what the front office is seeing and what the players are actually saying to the coaches. Because I do believe under the Brandon Staley um, tenure, there is that open dialogue. It's a two-way. Uh, and, and I'm pretty much guessing some of the players have said, you know, coach, we need to address X, Y, and Z. With Staley's mindset, it's probably why they were so aggressive in free agency. But it's a balance. I think you have to have a balance. I don't think in modern sports you can be too autocratic. There's a time and a place to be autocratic. But if you're autocratic all the time, there's a lot of there's a lot of knowledge in that locker room, you know. Whether you're Justin Herbert in your third season or J.C. Jackson, or you've got a uh, Derwin James who's got a football uh, brain the size of planet Earth, you've got to lean on all that experience. I think, John, and I think the Chargers are starting to do that. But the, the key thing is, we, we, we've we've touched on this a few times. Common sense approach. We've had a soft underbelly. We're trying to fix that. The run defense. You know, I'm I'm positive as as we always are at this time of the year. Yeah, uh, I think uh, I think you come away from this draft very positive. Now, obviously, the the biggest concern I think that you know that you can see uh, amongst social media and, and whatnot between Chargers fans is going to be lack of speed. Right? We already mentioned it before. Um, the staff did, did not do anything to add really, you know speedy dynamic playmakers and you know whether that's a good whether that's a bad thing or not i don't know right like i mean i personally would have loved to see them you know i was pounding the table for a few different guys uh to bring into uh add an influx of speed to this to this offense um but they decided against it you know they decided to go with spiller at running back right there were other running backs out there you could potentially have they could have potentially targeted who would add more of that kind of quick explosive type element and they they decided not to so you know again i think ultimately it comes down to they are building a roster and building a team in, in the image that would in uh, amongst their vision right and maybe it's going to be a different vision than some of us right so maybe maybe it doesn't necessarily jive with the vision that we have um but that doesn't mean it's bad you know there are plenty of ways to build a good football team there are plenty of ways to be a championship contender you know having a having a tyreek hill level player of speed uh is is a 
obviously a great thing to have a great asset, but it's not the only thing. It's not the only thing that makes you a contender. So, you know, we'll see, we'll see how this offense performs uh, with, with the group of, of pass catchers they have. We'll see what this, how this defense looks with only two primary edge rushers. And then, uh, you know, uh, someone like Rumpf as our edge three, right? Like, it's kind of scary to be honest, but you know what, that the, they have a vision, they have an idea of what they want to do and, you know, hopefully they can figure it out and, uh, you know, be effective. I'm glad you mentioned him. I, um, I did my pre-show notes uh, and I, he slipped my mind. I mean, Chris Rumfrey, are we, are we expecting an upside from him this year? As he, have we seen the best of him? I, I just don't know. He's another, he's another name in the mix along with Kenneth Murray and Asante Samuel Jr. Those three, for me, are three players that I want to see real improvements from, Go, certainly going into um, week one. And I would like to say, I mean, is it two preseason games again this year? I forget. Three. Three. So I would like to see, three. I would like to see them, you know, involved heavily because I, I want to see what they can do. Um They've been around Coach Staley enough now, well, certainly Asante has and Chris Rumpf to know that, you know, he will put an arm around people and he will get the best out of them. And I think that, that you know, if you're in a locker room where you've got a Freddie Kitchens who, who just doesn't want to listen to anybody, it's his way or no way, I can see where people are hiding their shell. I don't think there's any need for that at the Chargers. I think if you stick your arm up and say coach i need some assistance i think they're going to help you so i really want to see some development from that trio the, the biggest risk for me is kenneth murray uh Sante obviously had those concussions chris rumpf needs to put some some beef on but again got cleo mac joey bosa now's the time to learn because if you can't learn off those two you might as well go to the xfl in my opinion I, i'm trying not to be too critical I, I'm, I'm trying to sort of emphasize that we, we've got the platform there um, that there are other people that can, can come through and just improve their game two, three, four, five percent. Well, I will say this um, with the um, with the start uh, with the end of the draft now uh, during this next during this week and, and next week, we get to the point where you the compensatory pick uh, uh, kind of flyers or whatever kind of disappear. So you see more and more guys. Um, uh, more and more teams willing to maybe sign a free agent who now has had time to kind of evaluate the market um, and has also had time to kind of have that compensatory pick kind of thing drop off of them. So you might see a little bit more movement in free agency now that the draft's over now that we're kind of getting out of that compensatory pick period. I think it makes it a little easier because, again, you know, it's not just that you're allowing a team to get a compensatory pick or at least get, you know, add points towards their picks, but you're also potentially taking points away from your compensatory picks. Not that I think the Chargers have been a, a big compensatory pick kind of like focus team, but it is it is a thing, right? It is something to consider that some teams just like, look, I don't want to hurt the value of my comp picks that I can get next year. So I'm going to wait to sign guys until after that period where it does, no longer affects my comp picks. So we've reached that time. We've reached the time where now people have a really good idea of what their roster looks like because they've gone through the main bulk of free agency and they've gone through the draft. So I, I probably, expect to see um a few additions uh you know not big names i don't think any they're gonna make any more big splash sexy picks but i, I could see them you know adding an ed uh, a guy who yes. a veteran who could be edge three you know yeah, adding definitely. a veteran tackle maybe to bring in at camp to compete you know adding maybe some veterans uh in some other position groups maybe linebacker i don't know uh but i, I definitely see them adding veterans at this point uh, to supplement what they didn't get you know maybe they maybe they have been waiting on a veteran wide receiver they want to take a flyer on right someone like a Will Fuller or something who's got that straight line speed, you know, but maybe has injury issues. Well, at this point you can probably get them at a pretty decent value. So, you know, bring someone like that in to compete with Guyton for that wide receiver three. I expect to see those kinds of signings over the next month until we start training. camp. Yeah. Agreed, John. Um, certainly. I, I don't think it, this is a done and dusted uh, sealed um, initial roster. Um and it wouldn't surprise me if this game plan from going back to from free agency all the way through the draft to get uh, maybe one or two veterans has been the plan all along. And if it is, it, it's worked a dream. But look, um, yeah, generally happy with, with the draft. We've we've addressed the front line, uh, the uh, offensive uh, uh, line there. Hopefully, Zion can do the business uh, to right guard. Um, 
Any final points, John? Any, any other takeaways that you'd like to add? I don't think so. You know, I think ultimately, uh, you know, if I look at this great draft and I want, I was supposed to add a grade to the entire draft, I probably put a B minus on it. Um, you know, I think, I think they added some really quality players uh, from a, you know, from a depth perspective. Um, how many starters they added? Probably just one. I guess yeah. technically you can consider Spiller a, a quote unquote starter because he's running back too. And that's, in a league where you're constantly rotating running backs in and out, theoretically your running back two could probably be considered a starter. But ultimately, I think they added one starter in the draft, which is fine. You know, when you don't have a second round pick, that's what's going to happen, right? Everyone, you know, everyone likes to use that little graph, that funny Great. graphic. Oh, our second round pick was Khalil Mack. Ha ha ha. Yeah, well, that was an expensive second round pick if you know how much we're paying them. But, um, you know, my point is, you know, it wasn't, they didn't add a lot of like, elite guys I didn't have a lot of guys where i went oh wow that's that was a really good pick i think there was some good value i think there was some good depth added but uh some you know some more special teams help um you know ultimately though we might look back at this draft. i think it's a b minus however that can obviously like all these drafts grades they change up and down the ebb and flow once we see these guys develop and who knows this could be an a draft right i mean they did get uh you know super fullback hovarth in there so from purdue yeah. we didn't talk about him i mean come on dude's a stud Right. If you whenever you can add a stud at fullback, right? You know, Jacob Hester 2.0, maybe. Mm -hmm. Who knows? Well, uh, 260th pick, <laughs> seventh round. Um let, let's see how he how he uh how he performs. Um he screams special teams ace to me, but he's one of those guys who I can see becoming a fan favorite, right? You know, he's a special teams guy. He gets a couple of random carries every once in a while. He probably makes a really fun play where he like because he's got some real athletic skills there. Yeah. Uh, someone even commented that, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with RAS scores, uh, RAS, RAS scores um, are basically these scores based off height, weight, um, yeah. all the measurables, all their, yeah. all their, uh, all of their testing numbers. And then they Score base high. that off historically off that same position, right? Because again, if you're running a 4-3-40 and you're an offensive lineman, you're elite, right? You know, if yeah. you're, or, you know, you're running a 4-3-40 uh, and you're a wide receiver, you're very fast, but maybe you're not necessarily elite. Right. So again, these numbers are all on a curve based off position. And he scored a perfect 10 out of 10 on his score sheet for fullback. So the kid's got some talent. The kid's got some athletic ability. Screams to me, uh, uh, special teams ace. But again, could be the kind of guy you, you put in there at fullback and gets one of those sneaky handoffs and runs it for 20 yards. And all of a sudden, everyone's like, give Hovarth more touches. Woo. But anyway. I will see him because the all in um, has been absolutely fantastic. Love uh, it. A lot more, yeah, exactly. And we'll see a lot more of that. So, a lot of these question marks of the guys that are already on the roster and, and the uh 2022 rookie class that they'll be uh exposed for the right reasons on camera. So, it's really exciting. I'm, I'm sat here right now. The, the draft took it out of me, um, trying to stay up, you know, with the time difference in the UK. But right here, right now, I wish it was week one. I wish we were previewing week one. Um, my wife and I uh, are going on vacation at the end of this year. Um, I'm trying to wait until the schedule's released before we make any bookings because Vegas and a quick road trip to LA might be the perfect vacation. But I've got to, I've got to wait for the schedule to be released. All right. Well, it'll be out soon. Don't worry. All good, man. All good. John, it's been a pleasure as always. Um, thank you, listeners, uh, for for tuning in. The, the numbers are there. Where uh, we've got a lot of regular uh, followers. Uh, we've just reached five hundred uh, likes and followers on on Facebook, which is amazing. Um, great to see. We'll get some of you on the show in the next uh, few weeks and months as as we go into week one. John. Enjoy the rest of your week, buddy. Uh, we'll catch up uh, after the weekend and, and bolt up. Bolt up. Arsenal in the top four. <laughs> you